the human comes to a credit unit to get four very simple problems solved. Mm. And those problems are, I have a shelter problem, right? I, I either need to buy a home or get into a home. I have a transportation problem. I need a vehicle to get around and do things. I have a travel and play problem, right? Because those are the things I want to do. I also have a rainy day and retirement problem. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I am so excited to welcome Anne Leg to the show because she has some really good insights to share based on the data work that she's been doing as the founder of Thrive Strategic Services. So to begin the conversation, Anne, what is one thing that you are working on right now in the midst of all of this coronavirus chaos oh gosh well first of all hey how are you so thank you so much just a quick you know i gotta say this is awesome i think that the one thing that i'm working on right now is how to get credit unions to number one remind themselves of their awesome because while this is unprecedented times they're not wholly unfamiliar so i'm working on some digital learnings around how do we remind ourselves of what we can do to make the member's life better. And also, more importantly, one of the things that's that's interesting right now is we've got to be really innovative. How do we bring innovation to solve some of these problems? And that's part of what Thrive does. So working on building on some basically online educational series and tools that will help credit unions think about how they can do what they do differently and help improve the lives of the member. You know, I really like your focus around education because what we're seeing in the media and and just in general is is the most basic human fear, and that's fear of the unknown. Yes. And when you take an approach rooted around education, you can begin to provide some clarity and insight into the opportunities that people might not even be thinking about right now. So I know that, you know, you wrote a really good article about three actions that financial brands can take to help their account holders navigate these, you know, challenging, chaotic times. And could you just maybe dive into some of those actions? The very first one you mentioned was identify potentially impacted account holders. Right. So let, let's just talk about, I mean, and actually it's kind of funny in the last 24 hours, you know, things have of course changed. You know, we are, however you'd like to phrase it in sliding into a recession. So that means that there's going to be layoffs. We're going to see financial impacts. That means your members hmm. will be impacted. So there will be members who members and consumers who will have their financial condition change. And we know that specifically in the United States, there's a lot of people who don't even have $400 in their savings account. So as a credit union, what are your tools to do that? And the first thing is to think about identifying who are those impacted audiences. And again, let me kind of start back a little bit by saying, you know, as I said at the beginning, these are unprecedented times, but they're not wholly 
unfamiliar. And let me just put some data in there. So you think about the last 10 years and think about all the national disasters that are happening in this world, right? We've got hurricanes, floods, fires, earthquakes. Credit unions have always been there to determine how am I going to come in and step up and how am I going to make the member's life better, right? So you're understanding, you already have a framework of what to do. You already know you need to segment those who are going to be most impacted. Of those most impacted, what can you do? And really, what's so neat about credit unions specifically is that they've got a couple of really cool tools right off the bat. And the number one is that gorgeous skip a pay. Mm. And skip a payments are an interesting little nugget. There's something that's credit unions have, they've got tons of, they've been using it, and specifically around the auto loan and around the credit card. But what I think is fascinating about skip a pay, and let's just talk some nerdorific economics, if I may, that is that you've got, if you think of the ability of not having to make a payment for a month, if you think about that as a, um, you know, of a, as a being like a microloan, right? Like, let's just say your auto loan is $250 or $300. If that were like a micro auto loan, okay, now we think about microfinance. What does the benefit of having deferred payments help an organization? Well, there's actually a lot of work around that. There's a Harvard professor, Rahindi Pandey, and a Duke University professor, Erica Field, who are working on microfinance. And they figured out that if you can allow borrowers a grace period of two months, it will double the rate of their new businesses. Wow. You know, I, I, and I think here's a, such a practical opportunity for financial brands to put into play. And even like, it's all about framing, maybe like a, a pandemic payment plan like framing it like that based upon their their particular institution. Or maybe, right, or maybe it is, you know, hey, let's get back to recovery. Mm. Or let's, you know, be really positive in the phrasing too and remind everybody around, again, you know, the power of a skip of payment. You've also got mortgage refis. That's another tool. You've got the waiving of late fees. And then one of the things I love is you also have the huge financial counseling opportunities. Oh, um, yeah. Right. You know, sometimes your budget isn't as crazy as it has to be. And your know, credit have incredible stories around continually helping their members. So it's it's a it's a really good opportunity to remind the end user, hey, go back to your credit union and ask them. They're here to help. That's what their mission is and that's what they love to do and they can do it. Yeah, and I think that's you know, you and I were talking before we, we hit record. There was an article on C N B C this morning that you know, the headline is banks nearly took down the economy in 2008. Now the industry hopes to redeem itself. And I, I think for community financial brands, this is the shining moment. There was an article that I read of, uh, I think it was uh, either from a nurse or a doctor saying that this, this pandemic, this is their Super Bowl moment, this coronavirus health crisis. Well, over the next four to six, eight weeks and beyond, for community financial institutions, that will be our Super Bowl moment. This is why we do what we do. This is why we train for everything. And so when you're looking at like these practical, actionable steps and insights, I love it because it's about creating solutions to find the problems to solve. And every institution might be a little bit different depending upon who their ideal market is, who they're currently serving. And it might even create some new opportunities for things that we haven't even really thought about right now. That's And that's a space I think we need to hold on to. We are forced to do innovation right now more than we have ever done innovation right now. Right. And innovation, what I love about innovation is you don't necessarily have to hire it per se, you can build it as a capability. Mm. Absolutely can build it. So if you're thinking about how do I make the member's life better, like you said, how do I use my tools and my toolbox differently? That's innovation. Mm. And one of the coolest tools I think that credit unions have and community banks have is to look at 
human-centered design. How do I start designing for the end user, which is going to be the member? How do I put that forward? And what do I have to use in different ways? And there are many, many different tools that Greens have. I mean, just think about all of the virtual relationships that can be built and the conversations that they have. Yes. Think about your loan processing. Think about how you can automate, how you can look at the loan to income value and you can and you can find ways in there that, like I said, could be as simple as finding a hundred extra dollars. It's interesting that you bring up human-centered design. That's a big thing that we think about, that we teach here. I'm glad to hear that you're, you're bringing this to the forefront of the conversation because it's about putting people at the center of all of your thinking and doing versus putting, say, the product or the goal of the financial brand. Can you just briefly unpack like how your thinking is revolved around human-centered design? 100%. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the human comes to a credit union to get four very simple problems solved. Mm. And those problems are, I have a shelter problem, right? I, I either need to buy a home or get into home. I have a transportation problem. I need a vehicle to get around and do things. I have a travel and play problem, right? Because those are the things I want to do. I also have a rainy day and retirement problem. So that is why I'm going to my, my credit union because I want them to solve that. So the credit union needs to remember that those are the four areas that the member is coming in. So how are they solving those? How are they delivering on those? Is there, can they identify friction in that delivery method? And then more importantly, how are they providing those solutions with the member centered absolutely in the middle? And I think like one of the elements that puts the member puts the account holder puts the consumer at the center of all of that thinking is the modern day or the digital first consumer journey because it's not i have a problem i you know i'm going to click the apply button there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of reasoning and maybe even more or less logic because that logic really comes after the emotion what can financial brands do to be more emotive with their strategic planning and less logical because if you think about a financial brand and their leadership team they're very smart people they're very logical they're left brain driven that's great because we're dealing with people's money but on the consumer side it's very emotive money's stressful 100 and money is exceptionally relationship driven right it's exceptionally relationship driven everybody got an emotional relationship to their funds i think the big thing to be thinking about is looking i think at a simple very simple level is thinking about what is that journey experience mm. and let's just say in those four areas what are what is the journey how are members getting into that and what are you looking at and specifically if you can look at what is the friction that's in that journey right now and then figure out how the heck are you going to remove or lessen that friction i think that is the very first step i mean human-centered design is substantial and let's also go back to Sometimes what, you know, in the work that I do, we do a lot of um, member-centric uh, data strategies. So we're looking at what are those, what is that friction point and how can you use data to leverage that and, and make the member's life better? And how the way we, we like to define it is how do you build revolutionary data, you know, um, excuse me, revolutionary member relationships. And when you're thinking about that and you're thinking, well, well, how am I going to be making sure that I'm aligning to strategic goal and how am I aligning to being obviously, you know, the solving the, the, strategic problems of the of the credit union operations, right? How are these aligned? Well, if you are going to solve the member's problem, you are sure as heck along the way going to solve the credit union problem. So if you're continually staying out there and staying focused, there's a couple of advantages that happen. Number one, when you are human-centered design, 
think about the beautiful communication that you have to everybody and all of the end users in the credit union, right? You're talking at the strategic level, but you're also now going to be able to talk to those who are member-centric and they're able to communicate, hey, I understand the benefit of what I'm doing and I can now figure out how I can solve that. So it's really very um, um, holistic. It's like a, yeah, like a 360 degree perspective. And yeah. you mentioned those four problems. Uh, I like the way you framed them. It's a housing problem, it's a transportation problem, it's a lifestyle problem, and what was the last one? It's rainy day in retirement. Rainy day in retirement. I'd actually probably would add maybe a fifth element to that, which is really, I see it the, the root of almost all of those problems, and it's a spending problem. It's well, a it, behavioral problem for, right. for a lot of a lot of people, right? Well, it's it is, um, you know, it's like anything else. And I always kind of lean into the athletic world because it's so beautifully um, data driven. And you know, you don't just get up one day and go, "I'm going to go run a 15k." No. I mean, you can't. You absolutely can. You can get off the couch. You can go run. It's going to hurt. Everything's going to hurt. It's not, you may be successful. You may cross the finish line, but it's not the best way. What you do get to do is you get to stand up and go, okay, let me do my assessment. You know, where am I? Do I have shoes? Do I have a place I can walk? I'm going to have to start walking first. And this is my plan to start walking to running. And then it's cumulative, right? So over 20 weeks, you can start building yourself up and you are building capabilities and strengths. And what you're hoping to your point is that you're building up something that's replicable, right? That I'm gonna be able to repeat it. And that's something that it's gonna be part of my DNA. And I think that's the same with innovation. I think that's the same with problem solving. And I think that's also the same with how the member consumes and, and how they can bring themselves into financial stability. Yeah, it's breaking. It's 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 taking the, the the big problem, breaking it down into smaller, actionable steps, making progress every step of the way, and using that progress as fuel to build up the confidence and momentum of of, of whether it be an internal team member or whether it be a consumer facing, you know, someone that you're trying to to help get to a bigger, better, and brighter future. Get them out of their funk. Get them out of their the financial stress that's taking a toll on their health and their well being. You use the analogy of sports, the the 15K, and I've done a lot of running. I know you've done a lot of running, but, but you've done something very unique really within the past, what was it, three, three to four, five, five months? Five months. Five, five months. months, yeah. Five months. And, and I, you, you climbed the, the world's tallest, largest freestanding mountain, and you learned a lot along the way that it's good to see you starting to transfer some of those those lessons, those insights into financial brands. First and foremost, let's back up. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that experience and why would you want to do that in the first place? Those are great questions. So um, it's a really interesting story. Yes, I love being outside. I think it's wonderful. I love hiking. But it's it's kind of been one of those bucket list things where I said, you know, what we're talking about, of course, is climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa. It's 19,341 feet. So that's very high. Um, you know, when you think about it in terms of what the heck, it's something that you can you can hike because there's only one area that's super technical. Hmm. So it is very doable. You do not have to have um, ice picks and you don't have to be... Um, it's not Everest. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. It is taller than Everest base camp, but it's not Everest. So it is in the realm of feasibility. Okay. So why does somebody who decides to say, Hey, I'm going to do this? Well, it just so happened that in my life, I had a few things that happened that just, just screamed that I needed to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. 
And the first one was, I found myself in a fabulous new gift of time. I was working for Kin Mutual Group's Advantage Analytics, and they decided to focus their, they made a business decision to focus their financial energies into product development. And I was with them to develop, obviously, uh, cultivate credit unions for data consumption. And so they removed the consulting entity and I was given the gift of time. And at the time, it didn't necessarily feel like the gift of time, but I was given the gift of time. I had time now to figure out what I want to do next and where I want to go. I also was given the gift of transition in the sense that I have a fabulous child who was graduating from high school at the time and she was transitioning into college. And that meant I was going to become an empty nester and have this incredible freedom that I hadn't had in 18 years. So I was given all these really cool opportunities and it it just hit me that this was the time and that I had 120 days and I thought that was reasonable to go train, to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And it was one of the world's coolest, brutally, brutally, brutally amazing things I have ever done. Absolutely fabulous. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now, back to the show. I'm going to pause you because I think that's really important. Number one is you had time. Yep. You created, or you were given, depending on your perspective, (laughs) but you were given space and time. You had space and time to train for this endeavor, right? And if I'm gonna like start thinking of how I view the world of digital growth for financial brands, so many financial brands are stuck on the hamster wheel of, of doing digital. They have not stopped to create space and time to learn new insights, to think about how those insights apply to their unique situation then apply them practically and then review. So you, you're you taking a very unique journey that I- and The other that, thing too, at the same time, I was also you know starting up Thrive, which was yeah. wonderful. So it wasn't as if I could just stop and take a sabbatical. What I did give myself a gift was I stopped and asked myself why. So let's talk about that. What's the, yeah. what, like, like, what's the, like, what was the purpose? What were you, what were you seeking? Oh my gosh, okay. So I was seeking transformation. I was, it is, um, it is a big deal when, and, and let's be honest, I'm a single parent, when that little baby bird leaves and all of a sudden your whole world is upside down because you've been in this parenting mode for 18 years and if you're doing it solo or however you're doing it, when you're not doing it anymore, wow, you need a transformation project. So yeah. it is it is the advice that everybody says you need to have something to do. Well, most people go and like take line dancing and I decided I was gonna climb Kilimanjaro. And the reason why was 
I put myself through kind of a criteria. I said, well, first let's go get medically ch checked up. Like, am I physically able to do this? And I was, I'm super lucky. I went in and I've, um, I reentered the world of triathlon about um, five years ago. And so that has helped a ton. And so yeah, I went in and my doctor said, you are in amazing shape. So keep doing, keep going on. I found that I needed to do logistics and I was able to find a tour company that I liked. I figured out when I could get there. I figured out how I was going to get there. And then I found a great training plan. And I realized that even though I live, again, remember, life is filled with a lot of obstacles. It's what you're going to do to get over those obstacles. Yeah. And I realized that, hey, the best thing for me to do is actually probably go climb, go to Colorado and climb for, you know, 90 days straight. I didn't have that opportunity, but I took what I had and I got one of those awesome face masks and mm. I one with the stair stepper at my wide i made all sorts of new friends looking a lot like the character from bane uh, from from uh, um batman but um i ended up climbing i think i figured out it was i climbed the twin towers 26 times yep. in all the steps i did um i was able very amazingly to be able to go climb out um whitney which is here local which is a um 14,005 peak. And here's the coolest thing about that. 20 years ago, before I knew I was going to start a family, I climbed Mount Whitney. It took me two days, and that was my 20 years ago self. This time I did it, and I did it from sea level to the absolute top, and I did it in one day in 17 hours. So actually in better shape than I was 20 years ago. So it's actually a couple thoughts. Number one, you talked about the obstacles that stand in the way. And I see this with financial brands. You know, yeah. if digital growth was easy everyone would be doing it and succeeding with it number one number two and this is kind of like what i'm picking up with your own personal story and your own personal journey the biggest breakthroughs that we experience in life whether that be an individual whether that be a team whether that be an organization the breakthroughs always always follow a breakdown a hundred percent. I'd like to frame that a little bit and sort of bring it back to what we talked about. And that is your fear, right? We all have fear. We all have fear. We fear we can't do this because of this and because of that, right? And when you think about fear, and the way I like to think about fear is fear is really finding the evidence about my reality. And when you break it down into those smaller pieces and you break it down into the evidence you had, and like I just said, that's exactly what I did. So if I'm going to climb Kilimanjaro, well, okay, first of all, can I get there? Yes. Do I have the money? Yes. Do I have the time? Yes. Okay. Well, big thing that's probably take me down is do I not have the physical attributes? Well, let's go find out the evidence. The evidence is here's a doctor says go. Here's a training plan. Go. Yeah. And at any point in the time, you know, you know, you may have to wave off. That's fine. That's fine. The whole world's filled with pivots. But the coolest part, and you know, and and Kilimanjaro was pretty arduous. Um, I'm not kidding you. I thought there was a minimum of three times I wasn't going to finish. And I had never done an eight-day endurance event before. So, you know, the, the thing you have to think about is, what is going to be my mindset in this, which is very what we need today. What is my mindset? And my oh. mindset is, we are going to be okay, and we're going to figure out where the, you know, silver linings are, and we're going to figure out how this can be and become the best. You mentioned something else when you're unpacking your story. Number one, you talked about climbing Mount Whitney 20 years ago, and it took you two days. You you, you climbed it recently, and it took you a day and was it seven? 17 hours. 17, that was it. 17 hours. You were able to measure the progress that you've made along your own personal journey by looking behind you and seeing the distance that 
literally you've 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 made and, and that's one of the my big lessons for financial brands when you think about digital growth when you think about data when you think about this idea of transformation measure the progress you're making by looking behind you at where you've come never look ahead at what is still ahead for you to do because that is doom that is death that is overwhelm i'd like to kind of counter that and what I'd like to say in the middle ground of that is what you should do is you should build confidence on your history. Oh, your, 100%. History, your history gives you the fuel for your future, right? But what I think is really important, what I see as a huge opportunity for credit unions is building your, your roadmap and understanding that the roadmap isn't going to be a project plan that is going to have an end goal and what you're shooting for. And, that, and it should be high level and you should be communicating your successes on that roadmap. 100%. As you're saying, you know, for example, you know, transformation. Well, maybe the first part is we're going to do an assessment on our current condition. Well, then great, talk about that and talk about your findings. Make sure that one of the biggest things you do is you're moving forward, is you are communicating and celebrating the successes. Yes, that is where you're continually to build the confidence you had before, and it also allows you to see the litmus of what you're doing. Right? I had a training plan, and I'm checking things off the box, and as I'm doing that, I'm realizing, oh, okay, look how far I've gotten, and look how much I've look how much I have done. I mean, I didn't realize I was going to climb you know, the Twin Towers 26 times. But it was fascinating to keep looking that every time I got on, you know, and I was spending, let's be honest, hour, two hours on a treadmill, you know, on the client server. And it was great. I read a lot of books. I got a lot of information done. I even had a couple meetings. Those weren't necessarily successful, but yeah. To your point, confidence, like that is the fuel for future growth. Yes. And that's the, the most important thing a leader can protect is their confidence. When that confidence starts to like, you, you don't lose confidence over time, but it's like chipped away, you know, slowly. But confidence can be built. And, and one of the exercises that I recommend, and this is practical knowledge, every day or every quarter, what's worked well, what's working well, and what am I excited about over the next 90 days? Because I know that you look at the world through a 90-day 90, 90 view too, correct? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. So. And, I, and I think there's, you know, there's a lot of, the way I like to look at it is, um, you know, what do we want to stop and what do we want to start? Huh. What do we want to continue? That's how I like to look at it. What do we want to stop? What do we want to start? What do we want to continue? Because what I see a lot of times when it comes to digital and it's that it's it's that that diagnostic of uh, we see financial brands doing digital. They're adding more to their plate without stopping. And that's creating the sense of overwhelm. So what do we want to stop? What do you want to start? And what do we want to continue? Correct. And I, and I think, you know, that's really the guidance I give a lot of credit unions as they're thinking about this, because the other point is, what's their why, right? Because if you if you have a very clear, precise lens on your why, and, and when I'm working with data, I always go back to what is the member story, right? How are we going to build out that member use case? Because we talked a little bit about the technology process here. You are putting your data together to solve a member problem. What is it? What does that member look like? What is that use case? What's that member story that you're shooting for? And that's your guiding true north. Because as you're going through this, you're going to find a whole bunch of flashy, beautiful, shiny, shiny objects along the way. And don't get distracted by those. You know, there's there's a many different ways you can be doing this. But if you know, hey, 
we are wanting to do this and this is how we're going to be measuring this metric and maybe we have to modify that as we go along because it isn't exactly as we thought 100% but we want to make sure just like you know climbing the mountain I know I want to go to the summit and the other thing about climbing the mountain that's crazy is it's not necessarily the summit it's that I'm going to go to the summit I have to come down yes right and then at the end of that I might do this whole process again and how do I understand from the journey what are my takeaways, right? So as an organization is thinking about data transformation, they really need to be thinking about a couple of things. You know, what is it that, what's those problems I'm trying to solve? And from that, how am I turning this into workflow adoption, mm. really? And I'm building up capabilities and continuous capabilities. Yes. So, and you know, we talk a lot about, I talk a lot about the data, but we also have to talk about, you know, the culture. It is really important. And I mean, you can take somebody who says, yes, I want to do, you know, a 5K, all they want, but if they're, not actually wanting to change, it doesn't matter if you put the shoes on them and take them off, they have got to do that. So you've got to get a culture change and a modification. And that is very not easy. And that does not happen overnight. One of the big things, I mean, you're so spot on with the thinking of culture. Uh, I've been talking and thinking and speaking and writing a lot around building a culture of coaching. Yes. Yes. And that yep. and that and that creates value two ways. It creates value internally cuz I can help coach and guide my team members across the organization cuz when you look at like digital growth, it's it's not one department. It's 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 across the entire organization top to bottom, bottom to top. But that point of coaching can then be transferred ex Externally, and that to me, that's the secret weapon of financial brands, particularly now more than ever before with all of this confusion and chaos and crisis and conflict that we're going to see in the, in the coming months, because coaching is very different than just servicing, right? And very different than leadership. Yes. And, and if I can add to that, what I'd like to, if I had a magic wand, I'd love to say what I'd like to infuse is the innovation component. Mm. And when you're, you're building that culture, you've got to have the, you've got to have the parameters and a framework to be able to say, you know what, we need to do things differently. And when we do that, we're going to fail and it's okay. Right. Yeah. You've got to have that. You've got to have that ability. But you've also got to be able to do it in ways that you're comfortable with. And that is what I'm going to bring all the way back. That is why I love human centered design. Because I'm building out a capability of how to put the member's life first. Yeah. And then when you add on a sprint, an agile component to it, and then I can actually, so let's just walk through it. So I, I figure out there's a member's problem. I figure out what I need to do about it. I brainstorm, I prototype, I bring all this stuff forward, you know, then it's time for me to bring it to market and I do it fast and I fail fast and then I just keep adjusting. That is a beautiful capability and that is going to serve industry so well because to your point you know if i'm coached on that and this becomes part of my culture then it is okay for me to constantly be thinking really innovatively on how i'm going to solve the member's problem and that's where the magic sauce is happening because you've got data you've got technology let's bring it all together and let's have a format that talks about in a in a process and that's exactly what you know thrive does we have this whole offering and i don't mean to pitch but i just got to define it's called how do you create a data consumptive culture and we don't teach so much about it's the data. It's how are you solving the member's problem with human-centered design? How are you going to be able to ex execute on it with Agile? And how are you going to bring data to make sure that you understand that that is the source of how you're going to solve these problems? Yeah, I'm going to frame this up here because I think it's such a you've you've 
you've shared so much today. You've got such a great story personally that is so applicable to any financial brand marketing team, sales team, leadership team, data team. Start with the end in mind. Yes. What What's keeping people up at night? Empathy. Plan quickly. Three-year roadmaps, God forbid, five-year roadmaps. I mean, like, like we have to sh- bring the horizon line in. My recommendation when, when working with the financial brand is let's just use a 12, maybe 18-month horizon. But 18 months is getting a little foggy. Plan quickly. Apply. Mm-hmm. Don't, it doesn't have to be perfect, but we just need to get this out, whatever this might be. Progress, not perfection. And then review what's worked. Mm-hmm. And to go back to, to the previous points you've made, we'll continue doing that. What didn't work, we'll yep. stop doing that. And through this review and optimization process, we can then determine what we can do even better and start doing that. Okay, so you kind of defined exactly what we do here at Thrive. <laughs> that's, that's our business framework. So thanks for putting it into, into nice, concise. <laughs> well, no, it's, I mean, seriously, it, it's, so, it's so logical. And, and seriously, it has been such a wonderful conversation uh, with you today. I, I appreciate everything that you shared as we wrap up we're looking ahead over the course of the year Mm -hmm. the environment is in a state of flux Mm -hmm. what is one practical action or recommendation that you can make for financial brand marketing sales and leadership teams so that and and this is the key and, and we've talked about this so that they can move forward with confidence to continue to make progress along their digital growth journey. Okay, I have about five, but I'm gonna to try to consolidate to one. One. Please focus on your why. Because that's your endpoint, that's your mission, that's your driver. And if your why isn't crystal clear, you need to make that crystal. Because that's gonna be your lightning rod to be able to execute. Put purpose before profits, because yes. profits will oh. ultimately follow your purpose. Awesome. Hey, if anyone's listening, they want to connect with you, they have additional questions, they want to say hello, what's the best way for them to do that? Please reach out. Just send me an email. So I'm. you'll find me at Anne at Anne Leg Thrive, and that is A-N-N-E-L-E-G-G thrive.com. But please, if you're looking for a lot of knowledge and knowledge is absolute power right now, please visit andlakethrive.com. We've got an incredible blog series going on. We've got all sorts of data education pieces going on and really just look through that. And if there's something that you say, Hey, I'd love to know, you can definitely reach me there from the website. We'll get that linked up in the show notes and you're doing important and very meaningful work. I appreciate that uh, first and foremost, as I know others listening do as well. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Until next time, be well and do good. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.